You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1201 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday. And thank you for making the podcast, as always, your first listen each and every day. Check us out at Locked on Hawks on your favorite podcast platform, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or our newly launched YouTube channel. And today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with season with more props and more odds and more lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. Today's show, we'll get into two different games, as I apologize. I rarely do this, but every once in a while, just duty calls and I have to travel, so I did not have a full recap on Friday night's game, and the Hawks had a really nice showing in that game, actually, which we'll touch on here at the beginning of the podcast, and we'll get into what became a pretty frustrating loss on Sunday evening back at home for Atlanta uh, in a game that they probably needed to win to make what the, uh, their actual goals are of the season. So we'll get into all of that, but broadly speaking, a one-on-one split. If you are trying to be positive, you could say that this is what they were supposed to happen in these two games. They lose the game that they're supposed to win. They win the game they're supposed to lose. But if I'm a Hawks fan today, I have to be pretty frustrated with this opportunity that was missed from Atlanta on Sunday evening. But we'll touch on that later on in the podcast. I'm going to fly through the Memphis game. I know it was a couple of days ago now, but I want to give you the comprehensive look on this podcast. But really the biggest news from Friday, other than the win itself, I suppose, was the John Collins update. So I want to start there. John Collins is going to be out for a little while, which was not a huge surprise. There was some reporting on Thursday night from Shams Charania and Chris Kirchner that Collins has a plantar fascia tear in his foot as well as the damage to his finger at this point in time. And that report from The Athletic said that he'd be sidelined indefinitely. No specifics there, but the Hawks did issue a release on Friday afternoon that said to, you know, Collins got a second opinion earlier uh, this weekend at the hospital for special surgery in New York, which confirmed the original diagnosis and also the treatment plan for his foot strain, which includes a plantar fascia tear and then the right finger issue as well. He had a shot, an anti-inflammatory in his finger um, over the weekend and actually has some custom splints for that finger now, which he's actually have to wear the rest of the season if he comes back. But over the next couple of days, the Hawks said, He's going to have a non-surgical procedure on the right foot back in Atlanta. And from there, his update will uh, be within the next 10 to 14 days. I always say this, but... An update or a reevaluation does not mean he's coming back in two weeks, which Nate McMillan also said. And by the way, 14 days from the from the release would be April 1st. And as a reminder, the regular season concludes on April 10th. Um, I've said this. I'm not reporting it. It's just my guess. I'd be kind of surprised if John played this season in the regular season again, um, just given the timeline and all of the all of what's going on there. And usually they're going to have to rep, rep the guy back up. But we'll see. He's been on the bench. He's with the team. And we'll see if he's uh, back in the, in the near future. But at a minimum, he'll be out till April 1st, it looks like. And then if we'll see if he can come, if he can come back down the stretch of the season. Um, elsewhere in the Memphis game, the other headliner for that came before, before tip-off was Trey Young being ruled out about an hour before tip-off time. Kind of funny. Uh, DeLon Wright let it slip. After the game, he had a big game, by the way, that uh, he, he was actually told by Trey about five hours before tip-off that Trey wasn't going to play, which kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit on that game-time decision stuff for the Hawks. Not always, but sometimes that re- that reference is not always uh, 100% uh, truthful, we'll say. Uh, alas, Trey did not play in the game. They did, they did have Gallinari back in this game. But the Hawks were seven-point underdogs at tip-off against Memphis, even at home, because Memphis has been great this year. John Morant was back for the Grizzlies, etc. The Hawks had a, basically led the entire game. They had a 17-8 to lead at the outset. 
they had three, three threes in a row, actually, by DeLon Wright, who had a great game, as I mentioned before. He had nine points, two rebounds, two assists, and two steals in, in, a, in the first six minutes of the game. They played TLC as the ninth man. He was totally fine. Um, they actually uh, had Kevin Herter being a questionable to return after his first stint with a low back strain. He ended up coming back into the game. But, uh, you know, worth noting that he's not been 100% recently either. The Hawks had 12 assists in the first 14 minutes. They're moving the ball very well on Friday. There was an official review, actually, in the second quarter when, when Dylan Brooks kind of fouled bogey and had sort of hit him in the face. Bogey got a uh, flagrant one after he took him a while to get up off the floor. But the Hawks had by 21 points at one point in the first half of this game. Donovich got the lead uh, a little bit padded late at the free throw line. Gallo had this crazy finish with his left hand from about 13 feet away. That was a fun one to watch sort of in, in his bag. And the Hawks were up by 19 points at the half. They had a 143 offensive rating in the first half, which is staggeringly high, even, even before you get into the fact that Trey Young was out in this game. Memphis is good on defense, too. That was just a, a great performance on offense. The Hawks were hot from, from the field, hot from three, 15 assists, four turnovers. And basically everyone was good for the Hawks, other than maybe Lou and Herter, who had a slow start because of his injury. But they had, they had, a, they had a great balance. Talon had 11-4-4-2 before halftime. Defensively, they were really frisky the entire game. And while the lead was not 100% safe, the Hawks had a, kind of a slow start in the third quarter. Memphis got within 10. The Hawks were pretty impressive in stabilizing it and sort of responding with an 8-0 run. Capella and Wright doing their jobs. Wright had some steals. Capella had two blocks and then a great no-look assist. That was kind of a fun play that made the rounds. And then also showing his uh, his burst with a couple of uh, sort of end-to-end runs by Capella for a uh, for a dunk, a transition. The Hawks are out by 20-23 late in the third quarter and up by 19 at the end of the third. It got to 11 with like eight minutes to go. But once that happened, the Hawks scored the next six, the next six points. And uh, they basically were up by double digits the rest of the way. Herter had a big three, actually, three-point play, I should say, late. And then uh, DeLon got a steal. Capella got a dunk. Uh, DeLon had another three. And it was over from there. So I'm not going to go into all the details. It was uh, not, not a super close game. But I, I will say it's hard to transport yourself back to Friday. So I always try to make notes that are uh, more lively and in the moment to say, like, this is a great win for the Hawks. No question about it. They're 15-2 and two in their left, 17 at home with that victory. They got back to 500 again. And, you know, while Memphis was not very good by their standards in that game, the Hawks played very well on both ends of the floor. Like, usually when Trey doesn't play, the defense improves, which is not like a, you know, I'm not trying to take a shot at Trey. Just, that's just the reality. They're better with defensively with, with more DeLon, less of Trey. But the offense was really good. A 121 offensive rating against the Grizzlies without Trey is pretty impressive. They had 28 assists. 10 turnovers. Bogey had 30 points on 19 junior sessions. He had been struggling recently, so good to see him break out of that slump with a big night. And then DeLon had 18 points, 6 assists, 5 steals. Capella had 18 and 7 in only 28 minutes. It was 9 of 10 from the floor. Good efficiency there from Clint. And then, again, Memphis was top 5 in the league at offense coming into the day, and the Hawks held them to a 107 offensive rating. They forced 17 turnovers. They had 12 steals. That's a mark that the Hawks do not usually approach with their conservative defensive scheme this year. DeLon, DeLon had the season high for any player on the Hawks roster with five steals in the game. And they lost the glass a little bit, but only 18 assists allowed. And the Hawks played very, very well. I don't want to have that get lost in the shuffle because Atlanta did put together a very strong performance in that game. I won't go through the entire player stuff as I always usually would on the podcast, but basically, with the exception of Herter and uh, and Lou Williams, everybody played pretty, pretty well. TLC had seven points in 21 minutes, had five rebounds, played good defense. Okongwu had, had some nice stretches. He had nine rebounds, eight points, three blocks. Um, you know, Hunter had 14 points on solid enough efficiency. Gallo made a couple of big shots. Uh, just a lot of balance, a lot of really impressive stuff from the Hawks in that game. And it's a reminder of what the Hawks are capable of when they actually play well, which is why, in some respects, it's sort of, sort of a tease for later on in the show, but why it's kind of uh, maddening when the Hawks do not play well as we saw on Sunday against New Orleans. 
But with all that out of the way from, from the Memphis game, I will get into the Pelicans game in a little bit more depth after a quick word from our sponsors on the podcast today. In 2022, one of my resolutions was to eat right, and I managed to do most of that with the help of Built Bar. In some ways, not really a resolution for me anymore because I actually enjoy eating Built Bars. They have the protein-infused puff bars. They're fantastic to all of the other fan favorites from Built Bar. And each and every bar has 100% real chocolate on the outside, which makes a huge difference, and they taste fantastic. On top of the taste, Built Bars are low-calorie and high-protein. You can easily replace your candy bars with Built Bars, both in taste and to improve your nutrition. If you go to Built.com right now, check out the nutrition. You'll be blown away by it because most of the bars have only 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein with a very low calorie count. And Built Bar has all, all the long-time flavors like, that you love, like coconut almond. All the new flavors that are coming up all the time are fantastic, and each flavor is absolutely delicious. The best way to check out all the stuff from Built Bar is go to Built.com. And if you go there, the promo code is LOCKED15. If you use that, 15% off on your order with Built Bar. That's promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at Built.com. All right, we'll dive in now to what became the uh, the less positive part of the weekend for Atlanta. A 117-112 to loss at the hands of the Pelicans. At home, this is the Hawks' first home loss since February 11th. That's a game I talked about a lot. That was the Spurs game in which the Hawks were just dreadful against San Antonio. But they had the league's longest active winning streak at home coming in. They had won seven in a row and 15 of 17 coming in. And that was just kind of uh, all went up in smoke pretty quickly here. The Pelicans are not very good, but they are still trying, which is important to note. They won two of their last three games. Uh, they're also playing shorthanded without Brandon Ingram, Devontae Graham, Larry Nance, and of course, Zion Williamson is still out for, for the Pelicans. But they were at least scrappy. Uh, Trey was questionable to play after he missed the game on Friday. Ended up playing. Was not his normal self. He was not very good by his standards in this game. Uh, but other than that, John Collins is still out, of course. But the Hawks were actually the healthier team in this game. Um, it is worth noting that because of some of the questions with Trey, potentially, the Hawks were only five-point favorites at home. Now, I say only. It's a pretty solid amount to be favored against a team that's still trying in the Pelicans. But the Hawks are the better team. Full stop. The Hawks are the better, healthier, more complete, more talented roster and they were playing at home, but they've been playing awesome. So no excuses. This is a bad loss for the Hawks. It's not like an all-time terrible loss. It's not, one of, it's not one of the worst losses of the season. They've had some worse ones, for sure. That Spurs loss is one, for sure. But the Hawks are supposed to win this game, and they uh, basically dug themselves a hole that was too much to overcome. So if you want to boil this game down to what actually transpired in very broad strokes, the Hawks got massacred in the first quarter, and then the rest of the way, they were the better team. But it's really hard to win in the NBA when you dig a 17-point hole in 12 minutes, and that's what happened. So um, the Pelicans had Herb Jones and Najee Marshall on Trey at times. They were using some size on him pretty effectively. They also used Jose, Jose Alvarado, who's a Georgia, a Georgia Tech product, who was actually quite good in this game, as the peskier option against Trey. But the Orleans does have places for Trey to hide on defense. Um, both Jones and Marshall and Alvarado are not like great offensive players by any means, so a little bit of a friendly matchup on defense for Trey. The Hawks actually led this game 5-0 at the outset, but the rest of the first quarter – was 35 to 13 in favor of New Orleans. It was a 27 to 7 overall run by the Pelicans. Um, the Hawks turned the ball over a ton. In fact, it was probably their worst ball security stretch of the entire season. They had seven turnovers in the first eight minutes, and that included four turnovers in less than a minute of clock time. Also, all seven turnovers were steals by New Orleans, and live ball turnovers, aka steals, are much worse than non-live ball turnovers. So basically, about as impactful as possible for the Hawks there. And I'll say this again probably later on, but the Hawks were number one in the league coming into the night in turnover avoidance on offense, and they gave it all back in this game. <laughs> they were had, they definitely had some serious trouble in uh, producing uh, quality possessions and not turning the ball over along the way. Um, rotationally, it was more of what you'd expect from the Hawks. It was Bogdanovich, it was Wright, it was a Kongwu, and then it was uh, Lou Williams as the ninth man. They played Trey the whole first quarter before they went to Lou. 
But in general, it was the usual rotation with Collins out. Uh, there were some tweaks down the stretch, which we'll come back to. But the Hawks were down by 19 points at one point in the first quarter. They were down by 17 points at the end of the period. And overall, with all the turnovers and stuff, 18 points on 28 possessions. That is embarrassingly bad from the Hawks offense, which is, of course, elite for the season. But they had nine turnovers in the first quarter. And they again, they were averaging 11.9 per game to lead the league. Trey had five by himself, and they were all live ball in the first quarter. That is tough to overcome. Also, the Pelicans set a new franchise record for steals in a quarter with nine. That tells you all you need to know about that. And also, the Hawks didn't shoot well. 33% from the floor, one six from three. Defensively, they weren't great either, but they were also put in some really bad positions by the live ball turnovers leading to layups for the Pelicans. So um, there was some fight back. Again, the Hawks were down 19 and lost this game by only five. So they were they were very clearly the better team in the last three quarters. It just doesn't matter when you dig a hole that is so big early on in the game. A, one of the themes of the night was the bench was quite good. Uh, basically, the bench plus Gallinari was especially good in this game. All, all the bench guys were uh, in, in the positive and the plus minus. And that started off with the second quarter. It was an 8-0 run to start things off. Um, the Pelicans actually missed a layup that would have put them up by 19. The Hawks had a nice little stint after that. Gallinari was awesome in this game. He ended up uh, having uh, a, a team-high 27 points. They had 11 points in six minutes to start the third quarter. Sorry, second start the second quarter. Uh, the Hawks had back-to-back buckets back back from Capella. And it was a four-point deficit late in the first half as a 21 21 to 8 extended run by Atlanta. They were better overall in the second quarter. And by the way, Gallo had 16 points in the quarter alone. It was his highest scoring first half of the season with 18 points. But both Young and Herder were brutal. That's the starting backcourt for the Hawks. They were one of eight combined with eight turnovers. Trey had six turnovers in the first half. Uh, they had more turnovers and assists as a team for the half. That was really, really bad. They played defense, actually defense decently throughout this game. It just didn't really matter because they could not score. It's kind of a weird um, pivot for the rest of the season for Atlanta. But other than Gallinari, uh, Capella and Wright were also pretty good, but it was not a great performance overall in that first half. But still, the Hawks going in down 10, they lost the Hawks came out five points. They were pretty good in the second half. Um, there was one big run by the Pels early in the third quarter, a 10-2 to two push to go back up by 14. Uh, the Hawks were down by 15 points at the end of the third quarter. And part of that was their own missed opportunities again. The Pelicans actually didn't score for about two minutes late in the third, but the Hawks couldn't score either. And then the Pelicans broke the ice with a three-point play. And the Hawks were turning the ball over a ton still. But I would say, you know, not 15, there's definitely uh, kind of, I don't know, they were lively at that point. They weren't like a this underdog that was going to just kind of slink away. Uh, but the Hawks did have their another big run with the bench once again, a 12-4 to push early in the fourth to get back within seven. Gallo had 27 points with eight minutes left. Actually didn't score again, which is uh, unfortunate. But he had a couple of uh, absurd turnaround jump shots over seven footers in Jackson Hayes. And he was Valanciunas. Um, he was really good in this game for a new season high. Uh, Trey was better when he came back late. He actually came back with about nine minutes. Sorry, six minutes to go down by nine. Capella had four points in a row. Bogey had a jump shot to get it within three. And the Hawks went to a DeLon Wright-led uh, crunch time unit. That was not a bad move. I thought that was probably appropriate to do that especially against CJ McCollum, who is uh, obviously he's the best option against CJ. But they, they did go away from Hunter and Gallon, uh, Hunter and Herter, I should say. Herter was pretty bad in this game, so I understood that. Um, Hunter was the more controversial omission down the stretch, but it didn't really bother me too, too much. But the Hawks did have a good offensive stretch in that fourth quarter. In fact, they shot the ball great in the fourth overall. They had 25 points in about eight minutes or so, even with some missed open threes in that, in that stretch. They got a stop with three and a half minutes to go on a shot clock violation defensively. Um, Bogey had a pretty bad uh, possession at one point, but they got within one with two and a half minutes to go, and then they tied it on a Trey Young three on the left wing with about two minutes left. So after all of that, they get all the way back in the game. They get within two. They get a stop, but they give up an offensive rebound to Valanciunas, who, get, who scores, uh, actually is fouled and, and makes both free throws to go down by two again. 
then the Hawks tied it again with Young finding Capella. Um, the Pelicans just kind of totally lost Clint Capella for an easy dunk. But then Valanciunas hits a pretty tough shot over Capella for the lead. Trey missed a honestly a shot that he makes more often than not. About a 12-footer. He was kind of off balance, but it's a shot that he regularly makes, just didn't make it. And then uh, the Hawks give up a, a bucket to Alvarado and then on the floor. And suddenly they're down by four again with under a minute to go. That was a big that was a big swing for sure. Trey missing that shot. I'm not going to put it on him by any means, but that's, that's one that he often makes. Um, after a timeout, Trey gets back to the line, makes both, they get back within two. But once again, they get the first part of a stop. They get, they, get, they get the Pelicans to miss a shot, but then offensive rebound to New Orleans. They didn't have to foul. I want to put that out. There was a five-second differential when that shot was missed and rebounded by the Pelicans. Um, that's pretty narrow. I don't mind fouling there. I'm going to be honest with you. People were really mad about that. I didn't mind it. I also think it's worth pointing out, if you watch the replay, I'm not sure Trey was trying to foul. I think he wanted to go for a steal maybe, but they didn't necessarily just have the, uh, you know, have the X on, definitely trying to foul there. Still... I thought that was a uh, not ideal possession because you foul Alvarado, who's a pretty good shooter in some respects. If they foul Jackson Hayes, it would have been a little bit better, obviously. Um, also, I think the more interesting sort of game theory observation that I had was that they did not take out Gallinari or Bogdanovich on defense there. And that's a spot where you just have to get a stop and a rebound. Now, granted, they didn't have Collins to go to. but They could they could have gone back to Hunter. They could have gone to Okongwu even on a defensive only possession. Um, they just didn't do that in that spot. I don't want to go crazy about it, but it definitely was not my favorite thing to not take those guys out of the game because they had a timeout if they needed to. Also, Trey's still on the floor as well. Um, alas. Um, Alvarado makes both free throws. Gallinari misses a deep three, and that's basically the end of the game. So it was competitive. They had it tied twice in the final two minutes of this contest, and uh, it just didn't go their way down the stretch. They uh, come out of this with their first home loss since February 11th. That's more than a month, and it was just kind of poorly timed on that front. Before we get into some takeaways from this game, as well as some player observations and a look ahead at the standings and what's going on next for the Hawks, a word from our sponsors on the podcast. It's March, and it's the time of that year again with the tournament finally upon us in college basketball. With all the latest odds, totals, player props, futures, exotics, and much more, BetOnline is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs this year. And beyond that, BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, your podcasts, and your news this season. And of course, it's not just basketball at BetOnline, even if we absolutely love basketball on this podcast. BetOnline has a full slate of offerings that includes live betting and your favorite casino games, as well as other sports that are in the mix right now, like hockey and boxing, UFC, auto racing, golf, tennis, soccer. Baseball is coming very soon. Entertainment bets and also horse racing odds, plus everything on prop you could possibly think of. Go to BetOnline right now or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and all of the action, as well as the latest odds today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, some quick takeaways here from the loss on Sunday. It was the offense that was the culprit in this way. 107 offensive rating is pretty bad from this Hawks team. They were perfectly fine on offense after the first quarter, but the whole game counts. They had 16 turnovers in the game, 12 of them live ball, only 22 assists. That's a very bad ratio and a lot of turnovers. They shot the ball very well, actually. 58% true shooting is totally solid. Like it's probably about their average or better. They just didn't do anything else well on the glass. They got beat up, especially with Capella off the floor. But even when Capella was on the floor, it wasn't his best rebounding performance um, individually. But especially with – that was the only thing the bench did not do well was rebound in this game. But, uh, yeah, some rough stuff there overall. And then defensively, it wasn't too bad. They lost the glass pretty badly, but they first forced 16 turnovers. The Pelicans didn't shoot incredibly well. In fact, the Hawks shot it better than the Pelicans pretty clearly in this game. They just lost the possession battle. New Orleans took nine more shots and four more free throws than the Hawks did, and that's how you lose games in the NBA. And the Pelicans also made their free throws. They were 24 of 27, I should say, at the line. So player observation-wise, like there was some good 
there was some bad. It wasn't like a fully disastrous individual performance for anybody other than I think maybe Herder was pretty bad. Other than that, it was kind of uh, interesting in some ways. I thought Kongwu was just okay, maybe even a little bit below average for him off the bench, but they were good in his minutes. He had 3.3 rebounds at 17 minutes. He had some foul trouble again, had a steal and a block, but just didn't do too, didn't too much on offense, was not really rolling hard to the rim offensively in the way that he sometimes does. Um, I thought Lou was okay. Um, I think it was kind of uh, just fortune that he was plus 14, the best on the team. But he had seven, seven points on six shots, not too bad, two assists and a rebound, and uh, kind of a Lou game in that respect. I thought DeLon Wright was, once again, very good. Eight points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals, plus nine, 27 minutes, made all three of his shots, made all made both of his free throw attempts. I wish he'd be more aggressive, but, you know, basically the winning stuff that DeLon Wright does is very evident. I thought that was the right decision to close with him. He helped them a lot in this game. And uh, he was obviously just fantastic on Friday. He wasn't like quite that good on Sunday, but still a very good night from him. And uh, a reminder that it was kind of silly to remove him from the rotation. He just makes a ton of winning plays and uh, leave him be. Please play him every night if, uh, if you're the Hawks. Bogdanovich had a sort of a night uh, sort of a night and day kind of game. He was pretty bad in the first half, pretty good in the second half. But it's 21 points on 22 possessions. So that's totally fine usage. Three assists, four rebounds but was uh, only two of nine on threes, six of nine on twos. But I thought he gave them some juice on the stretch. He was their best primary creator, actually, in the second half when Trey didn't really have it going in this spot. Um, Herter had a very bad night. I'm not sure how banged up he is with the back, but he certainly did not look like himself in this game. Had no points, 0-5 from the floor, 0-4 from three. Had no assists, five rebounds, did have a steal and a block, but uh, minus 15 was not good in this game. Uh, we'll see if he's uh, available on Tuesday or back to full health or what, but he was not not himself in this game. I thought Hunter was okay. Um, I didn't have a huge problem with him not playing down the stretch a ton, but uh, 11 points on 10 shots, two rebounds, an assist, two steals, and a block, minus 19. Um, Gallinari had a huge night on offense, 27 points, five rebounds, three assists. He kind of carried the offense at times in the first half in particular. Um, you know, Gal gives a lot back on defense for sure, and it wasn't like super-duper efficient in this game, but uh, I struggled to think where the Hawks would have been offensively without him at times in that first half. I thought Capella was good, 14 points, 11 rebounds in 31 minutes. Um, did miss both his free throws, free throw attempts, but had a block. Was pretty good overall, but rebounding wise was not quite his normal no dominant self. You know, even though he had 11 in this game, and then Trey struggled. Uh, 21 points and 10 assists. So even a bad night, Trey's capable of having a double double with 21 points. So that happened. But seven turnovers, six in the first half. Um, I believe, yeah, only two of nine on twos. That's the line for eight shot attempts. That's always good, and he, and he makes all eight of those. That's definitely a huge boost to your efficiency when you are Trey Young at the free throw line. But he was not his best. He was better in the fourth quarter, I will say that. Aside from the miss that he had late, he uh, had a couple of uh, big shots. I think he scored five straight points for the Hawks to kind of get them back into a tie situation. So it wasn't like he was bad down the stretch, but uh, not his best game overall. And the Hawks leave leave home, I should say, with uh, a two-game a two-game stretch in which they had lots of, lots of highs, lots of lows, and an overall split. In the standings, the Hawks are now. In 10th place again, a half game behind the Hornets with 12 games to play. The Hawks are 35 and 35. There's some symmetry there, but uh, unfortunate symmetry. They were actually 10 games over 500 at home, 10 games under 500 on the road. Lots of uh, symmetry there overall, but alas, not great to be in 10th place for the Hawks at this, at this juncture of the season. They're a game and a half behind the Nets for eighth in the East. That's as high as the Hawks could possibly get, probably. I think it'd be pretty shocking if they got to seventh, being that they're four games back with 12 to play. It would take a melt by the Raptors and also the Hawks probably winning, I don't know, 10 of the last 12, 11 of the last 12 games to get back in that mix for seven. So you're really looking at an eight to 10 kind of stretch. Fortunately, the Wizards are very bad and they're five games behind the Hawks. So it looks like the Hawks... I would say realistic range. It's not like it's impossible, but the real, realistic range for the Hawks 
this season is somewhere between the eight seed and the 10 seed going into the playoffs, barring uh, a total collapse or a complete and utter hot stretch for Atlanta. Um, from here, the Hawks have the day off on Monday before they travel to Detroit, actually, for a two-game road trip across two days. They're in Detroit on Tuesday and New York on Wednesday. It's a back-to-back with travel. Tough spot there. Hawks aim for some revenge against the Pistons. Of course, they lost that last matchup against Detroit, and they have the history with the Knicks recently. Trey Young going back to MSG is always notable. And uh, still, games that are very winnable for Atlanta, I will say. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win them. Um, I think the Hawks, is as long as Trey is playing... Um, the Hawks should be favored in both of those games, even with the travel, because the Knicks are not very good. The Pistons are not very good. And uh, we'll see what happens there. But this is the one and only time the rest of the season where the Hawks actually have a kind of a road-heavy stretch. They play four of the next five on the road. And the home game is on Friday against the Warriors. Now, the Warriors without Steph Curry are not really the Warriors, so that's not the, time, that's not the kind of difficult matchup the Hawks might have been facing a few days ago. Steph is hurt, by the way, if you missed that. Um, but still, not a gimme Miami stretch. And then, uh, you know, at New York, at Detroit, home of Golden State, at Indiana, at Oklahoma City. Very manageable, but still four road games in the last five. And the Hawks have had a lot of trouble on the road this season. So, as a final thought here on the podcast, it was an interesting weekend for the Hawks. I think if you want to be level-headed on this one, you would point out the Hawks got a split in two games in which a split would have been totally fine coming into the weekend. But if you want to be a, a, a more of a pessimist, and I think I'm on this side of this one, losing this game was not good. You got you get kind of a not, a not a miracle win, but certainly an impressive kind of out of nowhere performance on Friday without Trey, and you give it back on Sunday with a near full strength roster against a team that's not very good in the Pelicans, at least that's constructed, and you do it at home and you lose. That's a frustrating one, and it really comes down to the first quarter. Um, it's not often that you lose games in the first quarter in the NBA, but they did in this game. Basically, the Hawks lost this game in the first quarter, and uh, they could never quite get over the hump after that. Okay, that'll be it for today's podcast. We'll have more this week. If you missed anything from last week, I had three or four. Brand new shows. Um, we have some draft coverage with Rafael Barlow. It's a great time to subscribe to the podcast uh, on whatever podcast platform that you enjoy, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google Podcasts. We also have a newly launched YouTube channel. I am trying my best uh, with the pushing from the higher ups to get people to subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm on video for every podcast at this point in the uh, in the calendar, and we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers by the end of the regular season. So I only have like three or four more weeks left. And we're not quite get we're not we're not quite getting there. So please help me out if you uh, even if you don't plan to watch on YouTube, it really helps us to subscribe to the podcast on the YouTube channel. You can find the link in the description to this podcast anywhere you can find the show. But um, please, please, please do that. Follow the show on Twitter if you'd like to as well at Locked On Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, and we'll see you next time.